It happened at a Cracker Barrel just off I-75 in Macon, Georgia. I don't remember the exact year, but I'm thinking it was probably sometime during the early 1990s. I was with my grandmother, who I call Graham, and I was in the gift shop shopping for my obligatory gift that uh, she always got me whenever, whenever we were there. And uh, after some time searching amongst all of the oversized candy and all of the overpriced junk that they have there, I finally came to a decision. It was that night that I became the proud owner of my very first Magic 8-Ball. I played with this thing all the time. It became one of my favorite toys. Whenever I was in school, if I wanted to know whether or not a certain girl liked me, I asked the Magic 8-Ball. Whether or not I passed a test had nothing to do with how well I knew the material or how much I studied. I asked the Magic 8-Ball. The reason that the Atlanta Braves won the 1995 World Series, I'm convinced. I asked my Magic 8-Ball. I treasure this toy. But I remember how the, the purple ink or the purple liquid or the purple goo, whatever it was, I remember that over time, that liquid, it began to fade. It became more and more clear to where I couldn't see the answer as well. I remember that that little block that had over 20 answers to it became less and less clear. And eventually, after several years, that magic eight ball that I cherished so much ended up in the trash, never to be used again. And I got to thinking the other day, whenever I was trying to decide what I wanted to speak on tonight, I wonder if I treat God the same way with my prayer life. The answer, of course, is yes. D do I periodically ask him for a, for a whole bunch of things, and if I, if I don't like the answer that I get, I just shake it and get another answer, and I just ask again and again and again until I get the answer that I think I deserve? But after so much of that, I wonder if sometimes does the excitement just wear off? Do I sort of just get tired of asking God for things and then I kind of just put it on the shelf and forget about it for a little while? And then a few months down the road, I'll rediscover it and then I'll use it again for a little bit of time and on and on the cycle goes. Have I ever gotten to the point where I felt like the answers that I, were, that I was getting were less and less clear and I sort of put it away, never to be used again? And I believe that prayer life is, is one of the facets, if not the facet of Christianity that, that Christians struggle with the most. And so tonight I want to talk about a few things. Number one, I want to talk about how God answers our prayers. I want to talk about how we should respond to those prayers. And I want to give you some challenges for you and for me on how to improve our prayer life. First of all, um, sometimes God answers yes. And when God says yes, we need to use whatever we're given, whatever he grants us to glorify him. Our first scripture tonight will come from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, a story with which I'm sure most of you are familiar. It's the story of Hannah praying for a child. The Bible says, Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. 
And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your heart, give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Of course, we know Hannah asked for a son. We know that at least two years passed where, um, her husband's other wife, uh, Penina, taunted her. And we're not exactly sure how often Hannah prayed for a son. We know this is the only example of the recorded prayer this there. But in verse 18, it says that the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Do we have problems with patience in our world today? Um, I can tell you my lack of patience comes whenever I'm getting in line, either at a supermarket or whether I'm getting in line to enter, enter a theme park. I never can choose the right line. I may choose the shortest line, but I have a big problem choosing the quickest line. It never fails. I think I'm in the shortest line and, and there's a person in front of me checking out and they're scanning their last few items and I'm like, yes, I'm gonna be out here very quickly and out it comes, the stack of coupons. Never fails. And I can just feel myself, that my toes tapping inside of my shoe. And uh, I can just feel myself growing more and more impatient. When we ask for something, we want immediate results. We can send a, an email or a text in the blink of an eye. We can watch television without commercials. We are a society where we want immediate results. But after praying, Hannah felt a certain peace, even though she didn't immediately know the answer that she was going to get. When we pray, we need to take comfort in the fact that God heard our prayer, even if that answer is not immediate. We need to understand that when we make our request to God, we should feel the peace that it is in God's hands. And we know the rest of the story in verses 27 and 28. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Now, the lesson here is not that, that we have to make deals with God in order for him to answer our prayers, but we should use our blessings for the glory of God. Our children are blessings of God. How many times have we prayed for children? How many times have we prayed for our children? And we have an example here of Hannah doing just that thing. Our second example comes from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. It says, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. No doubt we've prayed for either our own health or the health of a loved one at one time or another. And sometimes the answer was yes and health was restored. Sometimes it was not. But when we pray, we need to believe that God can heal the sick, not in some miraculous way, but he can extend our health if it's in his will. Verses four through six. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. 
and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. If God grants us extended health, it's possible. Is it for some purpose? How are we using the blessing of our own health? Something that honestly we take for granted until it's gone. How often do we use our own health to glorify God? I don't know how this next slide is going to look, but our next example comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Now you might be thinking to yourself, why in the world do you have 22 verses of a genealogy on the screen there? It's interesting, in this super long genealogy of nearly impossible to pronounce names, nearly right in the middle, the Bible purposely interrupts itself to bring about this basically otherwise unknown character by the name of Jabez, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. And there in the middle of that genealogy in verses 9 and 10, it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. We know relatively little about Jabez, One thing we know is his name means sorrow, and that a couple of chapters earlier, he has a city named for him. So why did the Bible interrupt itself to give recognition to a seemingly unknown biblical character? Well, it seems to me that the Bible is making a a connection between being an honorable man and humbling yourself in prayer. If we want to be more honorable, we need to humble ourselves in prayer. Little children from an early age tend to have a let-me-do-it attitude. Um, I don't know, you you may remember the days when you had to uh, walk your child through a parking lot and you had to have the death grip on their hand because they wanted to take off. They thought they could do it themselves. And out of their own safety, you had to grab a hold of that hand. Sometimes they're stubborn. Sometimes they want to do things themselves. And sometimes we tend to be the same way. But the moment that a child feels unstable or unsure of their next step, what do they do? they reach out their hand and we need to be willing to allow God to guide us to take our hand and let him do his work Jabez's prayer was answered and when we humble ourselves and pray righteously before God we can assure ourselves that our prayers will be answered in Jabez's case the answer was yes and oftentimes in the case with our prayers the answer is yes but what if the answer is no So in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 15 through 18, again, a story that I'm sure most of us are familiar with. It says, And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David and became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child. David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. David, of course, had already heard the fate from Nathan the prophet that the son that was conceived through the adulterous relationship between he and Bathsheba, he'd already heard news that that child was going to die. But David prayed anyway, and he pleaded with God for a different outcome. 
course, we know God's answer was no, and the child still died. And I want you to look specifically at David's reaction to that answer. His reaction could have easily been, why, God? Why was that child punished for my sin? He could have had a kingly pride. He could have gone down a very, very dark path, given his guilt of his cover-up and the death of his child. But look at how he responds in verses 19 and 20. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. So he worshiped. And at this time, he very, very well have written the 51st Psalm. And we don't have time to read that entire Psalm. But one verse that stands out to me is verse 12. Where he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Imagine praying to God and not getting the answer that we think we deserved and then praying about God's joy and God's generosity. What an attitude. David made many, many mistakes as Israel's king. There's no secret about that. But one thing that we can learn from him is that when we take our petitions to God, we can move ahead with our life knowing that a just God will always give us the best answer, even if it's not the intended answer. And of course, another example of God saying no, one that um, probably comes to our mind almost immediately, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is Mark chapter 14, verses 34 and 36. Therefore he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further, fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus was preparing for this night his entire life. He made numerous references during his ministry to his inevitable betrayal, arrest, and death. And yet, on the eve of his crucifixion, his humanity took over and he prayed to God if there was any other possible way for the mission to be fulfilled to let it happen. Uh, Luke's account in chapter 22, verses 41 through 44 We'll look specifically at verse 44. Uh, Luke adds the fact that it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. His agony led him to actually pray harder. That is, a, in, in and of itself, a lesson unto itself. When it seems that our circumstances are beyond hope, how do we approach them? Have you ever had a trial in your life that brought you to your knees and made you pray harder than you've ever prayed before. Some of you may remember um, when Marley was two years old, she went from being perfectly healthy one night to the very next day not being able to walk, not being able to speak, not being able to keep any food down out of the blue. And uh, she spent eight days in the hospital. And I remember sitting in the hospital, waiting on answers, and it was that moment in my life that I have prayed the hardest I've ever prayed in my life. That was 12 years ago. 
Have I prayed that hard since then? Nope. Why? What is my excuse for not praying as hard as I should pray? Sometimes we sing the song um, that that in the verse says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We know that ultimately Jesus accepted God's will and gave himself for us. God knew that in his ultimate wisdom that his sacrifice was the only way to save you and save me. Maybe you've been praying for improved health, a job, maybe a better job, maybe a loved one's fallen away, or maybe a loved one's never obeyed the gospel and you're praying earnestly for that person. I'm not going to pretend to know the outcome, but if praying in the garden could provide Jesus with the peace to finish his mission, your prayers can provide you with that same peace. What peace are we giving up by not taking our deepest worries to our Lord in prayer? Finally, even, even um, it's possible that even though we don't have the answer that we want, it's possible God is working on something even better And his real answer is not yet. We know that Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50, he waited for more than two years in prison before he realized that by God's power, he would be the one who saved the world from starvation during the seven years of famine. Joseph waited for more than two years before he realized that he would provide the breeding ground for the nation of God's people. We know that David in 1 Samuel chapters 20 through 30, David spent, some biblical scholars estimate that David spent seven years on the run from Saul, some of that time in enemy territory, while God was conditioning him to arguably be the greatest king in the nation of Israel's history. We know that Sarah in the book of Genesis chapter 15 through chapter 21, she waited until she was 90 years old before she realized that she gave birth to the son who would begin the lineage that would ultimately bring us the Christ. All of these individuals had to wait on God's promise for their lives. So what's our promise? Well, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, we read, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, not our purpose. Do we trust God enough to allow his purpose for our lives to align with our own purpose for our life? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. um, Interestingly, we read this in Bible class this morning. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, confidence, anything, very, very absolute statements there in 1 John, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask, we can know that we've been heard. Doesn't mean we'll get what we want all the time, but our prayer has been heard, and you can stamp it with a guarantee. A lot of times when you send a text or an email to a coworker, sometimes they get that, sometimes they don't, sometimes you'll never know. But with God, we know that if we pray to him, he's going to hear us. 
Philippians chapter 4 may be my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to ask you a question. When have you ever prayed to God about something and felt worse after the prayer than before the prayer? Asked a different way, no matter the circumstances, when you have poured your heart out to God, haven't you always felt better afterwards, no matter what the circumstances were? That feeling can only be described as the peace that passes all understanding. Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, to pray without ceasing in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If anyone could have spent his time in prayer complaining about his circumstances, it was Paul. And yet, Paul had the mindset and the attitude that he was going to be thankful no matter his circumstances. And so what I want to do as I conclude this evening is I want to leave you with four challenges to help you improve your prayer life. And I can assure you the reason that I came up with this lesson is because I needed to hear it first and foremost. And so all of these challenges that I provide to you are challenges for myself as well. And so I want to leave you with these four challenges as we bring our lesson to a close. The first challenge I want to offer you is to start your day with prayer no matter what. If you oversleep, pray anyway. If you wake up sick, pray anyway. If you're yelling at your kids because they're not getting out the door on time, calm down and pray anyway. It will make a difference in your life. Imagine, imagine that the only time that you talked to your husband or your wife or your children or your loved ones was about 45 seconds before mealtimes and about a minute and a half before you go to bed and that was the only conversation you had with them. What kind of relationship do you think you would have with them? non-existent. Most of the time, the reason we feel distant from God is very simple. We don't talk to him like we should. Challenge number one, start your day with a prayer no matter what. Number two, remember the purpose or the power of prayer. Oftentimes, we forget that when we pray, we have an avenue to speak with the creator of the universe. If you could have a sit-down interview with your greatest hero, either alive or dead, would you seize that opportunity? But yet, we neglect so many times that we have an opportunity to speak one-on-one with the creator of the universe, the Lord God Almighty. And how many times, again, I'm just speaking to myself, how many times is that an afterthought? That we just take for granted that we have a direct line to the creator of the world. Challenge number three, look for answers to your prayers. If you cannot find answers to your prayers, you're either not looking hard enough or you're not praying hard enough. One of those two things has to be true. God answers prayers. And so think back through your life, whether you make a mental list or whether you make a physical list, that's completely up to you. But think back through your life when you've prayed to God and look for times that he's answered your prayers. I guarantee you they're there. You just have to think about them or pray harder in order to get them. Challenge number three, look for answers to your prayers. Fourthly, and this is a tough one. This is probably the hardest one for me. Avoid repetitious prayers. Is any time in prayer to God time well spent? 
Yes, of course. But speaking for myself, sometimes we tend to get in a little bit of a rut where, where we'll get repetitive with our prayers. And I'm not saying that that's sinful or a bad thing or anything like that. But if we want to be to where we give, uh, give God uh, a, a better, a, a more improved prayer life, then I think we should think about the way that we pray to God. So just some, just some pointers that I'm going to throw out there that I thought about as I, as I was preparing this. First and foremost, thank God for something specific. A lot of times, you know, we thank God for the day, our blessings and things like that. Think of something specific in your life, whether it happened today, yesterday, a month ago, a year ago. Think of something specific that you can thank God for. Secondly, make a specific petition on behalf of yourself. Ask God for something specific. Thirdly, make a specific petition on behalf of someone else. And if you want extra credit, make that petition on behalf of an enemy. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44 says what? Pray for your enemies and those who would persecute you. So make a specific petition on behalf of someone else, even if it's an enemy. Fourthly, ask God to forgive your sins and name them. That's really hard to do. I'm just going to tell you to specifically list out sins you've committed. It's easy to ask God to forgive our sins. It's not so easy to list out sins that you've committed that day. Of course, that obviously might be better handled in a private setting. But I would encourage you, list out your sins to God and ask for forgiveness individually. Hopefully these challenges will help you improve your life of prayer and mind. It is, in my opinion, as I stated earlier, that it is one of the most underutilized weapons we possess as Christians today, the power of prayer. Another lesson for another day is that, is that we need to pray for each other. Not only do I need to pray for myself, I need your prayers as well, and you need my prayers as well. So if you need the prayers of the church this evening, we can do that for you. If you've fallen away from the faith, we can pray for you. If you're guilty of, of sin of a public nature and, and you need the prayers of forgiveness, we can pray for you this evening. If you need prayers of strength, prayers of healing, prayers of comfort, the church can provide those as well. If you are outside of Christ and ready to be baptized for the remission of sins, or you just need further study, we can make whatever arrangements that need to be made. Whatever your need, come forward now as we stand and as we sing.